This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle app. Uh, yes, it is that time of the week once again. Welcome inside the Hot Stove Report. Aaron Goldsmith alongside Gary Hill. Glad you're with us for the next two hours talking all things Mariners baseball. Gary, happy new year to you, my friend. How are things? I'm doing well. How are you? It's great to Good. see you. It's great to see you. It's great to be back on the air with you for the first time in 2021. And as we have each and every week, man, we got a jam-packed, loaded show. Tell us who all we'll be talking to tonight. I am really excited about this show. We have Kyle Glazer coming up from Baseball America. He's fabulous. And as we know, the Mariners are on the cover of the Prospect Handbook, and Kyle Glazer is going to tell us about that, and he's going to talk about the system. Great conversation there. Anthony Masevich, who was in the Mariners' bullpen a year ago, we're going to talk to him. I think fans are really going to enjoy that. That's coming up in a few minutes. And Emmanuel Sofuentes, one of our favorites, just got a promotion. We're going to talk to him. And Mandy Lincoln's going to give us a preview of some big things coming up uh, the next couple of weeks in Mariners world. So big show, big, big, big show. Yeah, we're going to really focus a lot on, on the minor league side of things with Kyle Glazer. You, you mentioned Emmanuel, uh, now the assistant director of uh, Mariners player development, working alongside Andy McKay. So we'll talk a lot about the youth. We'll talk a lot about what's going on in the big leagues itself as we will dive into that right now with our first guest. And who better to lead the show off tonight than number seven, the lefty. And for the third straight year, he will be the Mariners opening day starter marco gonzalez joins us right out of the gates on the hot stove marco happy new year how are you my friend yeah it's good to see you guys as well it's been uh it's been too long it feels like this uh this twilight zone we're living in is like shaping time in a weird way so it's good to uh it's good to be back with some familiar faces some familiar voices and uh yeah how are you guys doing oh well we i think the first thing we noticed is that you have um not groomed at all since the end of the season (laughs) that's not true (laughs) <laughs> that's not true just just you know just trying to uh you know let the hair go out a little bit uh you know let the covid flow um uh, you know just let it happen gary which what do you think became a bigger storyline for marco the final let's call it month of the season him not walking anyone or his hair because his hair became its own subject matter yeah, those will dual storylines. And uh, I was disappointed that Marco didn't petition MLB to pitch without a cap. <laughs> Gary, I knew that I, I knew that we were friends. And, uh, you know, now that now that me and Goldie have moved on, uh, you know, I think that me and you can start a new a new better friendship here. Uh, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. I, I feel like, no, you know, I, I uh, I'm just letting it go. I, I feel like it's it's kind of new year, new me, you know, kind of thing. So let's roll with it. For the record, it was not a mutual breakup. It was one-sided. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, uh, you're, you're, you're zagged up, man. Go Zags. How are you feeling about the Zags right now, Marco? Uh, I, uh, I feel as, a, as, as though I do every year, Goldie. Um, confident and uh, just hopeful, you know. And, and this year, I, I think I can, I can safely say that this is probably the most talented Zags team that we've ever seen. Um, and just dominant. I mean, with, with Suggs and, and – Ayayi and, and all these guys that are just, uh, you know, Drew Timmy out of nowhere. I mean, these guys are just, they're fun to watch and, uh, and they just beat up on everybody they play. So it's, it's been a blast to, uh, to watch these games. Well, you are confident and optimistic as you are every year. And that can be said about you as well on the field, man. We, we want to talk a lot about what's, what's coming up for the Mariners, Marco. 
and uh, a season in 2021 that I know we're all anticipating for a, a wide variety of reasons. But we want to go back and reflect a little bit on you and the abbreviated 2020 campaign, Marco. It was your best, and that's saying something. Every year you have found some way to become a better version of you. And we, we kind of saw almost it felt like this kind of quantum leap from you last season. I'm not sure if it felt that way, but what, what was your biggest takeaway from last season for your personal performance? Well, I think, um, you know, a lot something I don't speak about a lot is uh, another year removed from uh, arm surgeries and being able to be at full health and just be confident in my arm and my body to a level that I haven't felt in a long, long time. I feel like this was the picture that I was supposed to be, the path that I was on um, before my arm problems started hitting about 2015, 2016. And now being, you know, almost five years removed from TJ this this April, I just feel like I'm able to continually get better. I feel like I'm able to improve because of my health. And uh, I think that that's something that a lot of people kind of overlook with me is my ability to adapt and develop and and grow as a pitcher. And um, I think that that's just kind of what you saw this year. Speaking of growing, like what areas are you looking to grow even further as a pitcher? It's that's a tough question. I think that, uh, you know, as we get into spring training and I, and I kind of feel the need of, you know, there's some areas for improvement. I think I'll have a better answer for that um, individually, but collectively um, I'm ready to win. And uh, I think this entire organization is ready to win. Um, that's, that's the improvement that we need to make. We need to go out and, and, uh, and attack some teams and go out and win some ball games go out and take the division. Um, that, those, are, those are things that are on my mind right now. Gary, I can answer that question for Marco. It's the seven walks. Yeah, <laughs> entirely too many. That needs to be cleaned up. Marco, and it needs to be cleaned up by the end of April. Marco, we thought it would have been great to cut the highlight of every walk <clears throat> that you would yeah. shoot this year and kind of play them back and forth. Because uh, since there are only seven, there would have been plenty of time to do that. <laughs> and have you break it down? What happened here, Marco? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's a that's a question I would get asked after every game that I had a walk. It was like you threw, you know, six, seven innings and you gave up two runs. But, you know, let's talk about the walk. Let's 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 really break down every pitch. What you know, what were you thinking? I think Greg Johns, like every time out, he's like, so there was the walk. And, and he, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Greg, look, man, like I'm tired of answering for this. Like I, I, I'm ready to move on, you know. Did you force Greg into retirement? We wish him all the best in his second career as a father and grandfather. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> I did not force Greg into retirement. You would probably know more about that than I would. Um, but uh, but no, he he will be missed. He's one of my favorite guys to work with. Um, Very always always such a welcoming face after a good or a bad game. You got Greg there. He's the one constant. So he's he's a great guy. He's a good man, a great reporter as well. We will miss Greg, but we know we'll be seeing him around plenty of times. Marco, when when you look at the way that you pitch, and in particular last season, when you talk about pitchers working the corners and the edges of the plate, you know they can measure that now, and it's got a great name, and it's pretty much simplistic in its definition. It's edge percentage, and the good people at Baseball Savant track this on a day-in and day-out basis. And basically what they're looking at is the width of a baseball in or out of the box, right? The strike zone box that we see on yeah. TV all the time. And you had one of the very best edge percentages in baseball. You led the American League. 48% of your pitches, Marco, about half of your pitches 
or right there, a baseball widths in or out of that box. How much of that is just simply a testament to how you are preparing each and every game? I think, um, no, it's, it's well-worded, um, Goldie, on your behalf. Um, <laughs> I think that you're right. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to pitch to the corners and, and, be, and be fine and be perfect. Um, I think that is a result of, of prep, preparation and executing a pitch to the best of my ability. And I think that the strike zone is rectangular and it is its shape because it's, it's shaped to the hitter that's in the box, right? The height, the width, everything about it. Um, and so when you attack those corners, you're actually attacking cold spots or weak spots of that hitter. Those happen to be those fine edges that you're talking about. Um, and so I think really I just executed to the best of my ability a plan, um, a plan A of attack for each guy. And, um, you know, the result of those pitches is, is what it is. But I think it comes down to the preparation. And also, I mean, the ability of our catchers to be able to um, present a good target and frame some of those pitches, uh, you know, got to give catchers a lot of credit too. And uh, I threw to a lot of them this year, but every one of them really stepped up and, and really tried to, tried to bring their A game every, every time out. So uh, give them equal credit as well. I'm glad you mentioned pitching to cold spots. In this era, we talk so much about velo. Uh, it gets talked about all the time. I and mean, for good reason. Who wouldn't want to throw 99, right? right? But you look at the top 10 in ERA this year in the American League, and I know ERA isn't everything, but you look at the top 10, and its names you and Keiko and Maeda and Raul and all these guys were, if you inverse <clears throat> hardest fastballs in the American League, you know, we're talking 88, 89, 90 miles per hour for all these guys. And it's just chock full of the top 10. Yeah. And given the age of information that we're in, where you know the weakness of every hitter coming up to the plate, I think of this as kind of a, a glory time for pitchers that can command, that can spot to pitch because of all the information we have. How do you look at that? Yeah, well, I think velocity gives you more margin for error, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but execution is really the name of the game nowadays with how hard hitters are swinging. Um, exit velos off the bat have been record highs. The ball, we can, we can get into that, but the ball is different. The ball is flying better. And so I think it is, like you said, I'm glad you said that, it is the glory days for pitchers who can not only game plan, but pitchers who can stick to a game plan and execute. I think that a lot of things that aren't talked about is 90 miles an hour um, hitters, when they, when they know they're going to see 90, they're timed up to 90. They're not, they're not thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a cookie with 90. Okay, his fastball's at 90, so then I have to adjust my speed, my, my stride. Everything t- is timed up to that. So they're adjusting to my fastball, which when I attack with it, it is firm. I mean, you could stand in the box and, and, and sit next to an 80-mile-an-hour fastball, and it's going to blow by you if you're not ready. And so that's what I pitch off of. I pitch off of disrupting timing reading a swing and, 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 and giving them the opposite of what they think they're going to get. And then pitching without fear in, in any count, I think is a big deal nowadays too, when guys are, are afraid of contact because it seems like every barrel nowadays is a home run. And so I think pitching without fear to, to certain parts of the strike zone is a huge thing that we're not talking enough about. Marco, something you just said about sticking to a game plan, how you made it sound like that is easier said than done. How difficult is it to stick to a game plan that you and your catcher and your coaching staff have come up with? 
It's extremely difficult. Um, and it, it's taken a lot of practice. Uh, I think that as I've gotten to be a be- become a better pitcher, it's because of my ability to game plan and, and visualize a plan of attack the night beforehand, you know, visualize these hitters standing in a box or even three days before the game, I'm visualizing them in the box uh, for my bullpens. I mean, those are things that I've just had to get better at because that is what it takes at every, um, every day you have to try to do something to get that much better. But the game plan the day of, I think has been crucial for us and, and to find a plan A, so to speak, that, you know, my my best pitches to the best part of the strike zone for each guy, we call that plan A. And, and I think that, you know, finding that and realizing to, how to stick to it. And then on days where you don't have it, realizing that and abandoning it and finding something else that'll work. Because I think being too stubborn to a game plan can be detrimental as well. When you mentioned not having it, you're a guy that has multiple weapons. You can attack hitters all kinds of different ways. And like a typical start, how many pitches do you have a great feel for, would you say, in a typical start? I hope to have three. Um, that's, that's the minimum because, you know, you got to start with number one. You hope to have a good fastball that day. For me, I hope to have a good four seam because my four seam I can pitch to three different spots with. With that, I think if I have a cutter that day, that's, that's a huge weapon for me. And then change up and curveball, sometimes you have one or the other. The days where you have both, special things could happen, or you could get greedy and try to do too much, and, and that could be detrimental as well. So finding a sweet spot with those pitches is, is, is been, has been tough. But there's days where, where you come out and you have two pitches, and, and you really have to think about, okay, well, my cutter's not working today. It, it's time to abandon it. It's time to move on because you try to throw it too much, and, and that's when you get hurt. We're going to take a break with Marco in just a moment, but before we do, Marco, we've talked a lot about command. Can you teach command to a young pitcher, or is it just something that you have or you don't have? I think you could teach command, and I think it starts with repeatability of your pitching mechanics. I think that the more simple you are with your mechanics, a lot of people have asked me, you know, can you coach my kid? Can you tell him what to do? And <laughs> and, and I can, but a lot of that is just repetition and, and consistency. And for me, trying to be as simple as I can down the mound and, and down the slope to the catcher. Um, that's where command comes from the ability to repeat. Um, and then your, your mental aspect of, of being the same every time you step on the mound. Um, if you're too emotional or not emotional enough, then that affects that as well too. Could you teach Aaron command? Uh, Aaron is, is, is too far gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's mostly, mostly because of the emotional component to it all. It's mostly that. Yes. It's, I mean, it's there's, a, there's really a, the neck up that I can't work with right now. Uh, yeah. There's, there is a huge physical disadvantage to go along with it, but just the, the iceberg <laughs> for the Titanic is without question, the mental game. There's no right. doubt. And the diet, the diet as well. Hey, we're going we're gonna to talk more with uh, the Mariners' opening day starter. It will be his third straight year. Number seven, Marco Gonzalez joins us when we come back on the Hot Stove Show on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. 3-2 to Luis Renjifo. Breaking ball. Strike three called, and he got him looking. There is strikeout number eight for Marco Gonzalez. He has retired the last 21 Angels hitters in a row. Welcome back inside the Hot Stove Show. We are joined once again by Mariners starting pitcher Marco Gonzalez. I'm Aaron Goldsmith, joined as always by Gary Hill. Marco, we want to start looking a little ahead into 2021 for the Mariners. 
And in order to do that, we have to take a look at a guy who is somebody that you uh, predicted some hardware for, Marco. You called it. You called Kyle Lewis winning Rookie of the Year. Not only did he win it, he won it unanimously, Marco. I, I, I do find it really interesting how Kyle was drafted in the first round in July of 2016. And then the following summer, Jerry goes out and acquires you from the Cardinals. And now the two of you are among the main pillars of this organization with, with great sights on the horizon. Uh, when yeah. you th- look back and think of Kyle Lewis and all he did in center field and also at the plate, uh, and you've had some time to reflect on it. What stands out to you the most? Consistency. And that's why I said what I said in summer camp. That's why I said that he was going to win rookie of the year. Not only is he extremely talented, but he's extremely consistent on the field. Emotion-wise, um, approach-wise, you just see the same guy over and over again. And I actually, uh, there was a game, I think, towards the end of the year in September, he was kind of scuffling a little bit, um, surprisingly. And he goes out and he hits, a, he hits a bomb to dead center. And he came in, he was frustrated with himself because he was, he was, over, he was trying to overachieve. He was trying to overreach, trying to do too much. And he was frustrated with himself. He came to the dugout, he's just like, just hit the ball, just hit the ball. And for this guy, this game is so simple. And he has such a simple mindset that I really appreciate, you know, what he brings to the field and how he brings it to the field every day. And so I see, I see nothing but success in this, guy, in this kid's future. He was solid in center field and a couple of gold glovers on the infield as well. The defense made huge leaps from the year before. How much difference does that make for you as a pitcher when you have those kinds of defenders on a field? It makes a world of difference for me to be able to pitch to contact with confidence, um, which, I, which I always do. You know, you have to believe in the guys behind you. But when you got now we're going to have three gold gloves in the infield, with Kyle and JP and Evan, and um, you have a guy patrolling out in center field and, you know, we're going to get Mitch Hanniger back and, I just don't see any holes. I really don't. And uh, for me, especially to be a guy that's just going to attack the strike zone and force guys to swing the bat, I'm trying to get us out of there in in two, two and a half hours. So this is perfect. Um, This is, this is exactly what this team needs to go farther and, and really, you know, reach, reach our goals of, of, you know, getting into the postseason and winning a championship starts with defense, defense and pitching. Those are how you, you, uh, you subtract runs. And so, I really have the utmost confidence in that in that uh, squad out there. When's the uh, by the way? When's the Marco Gold Glove gonna arrive? And we always hear Marco's an athlete, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, single I mean, single digit guy, right? Number seven. Like you're making a statement there. Went to a basketball school. Says he <clears> could have gotten a scholarship to play hoops too. I mean, not my words, his. Like, I mean, how right, Marco? You've said that. That's. I don't believe that I've ever. On, that to I you. think that's been. I think that's been on the record. Um. Uh, but yeah, I mean, g- give me give me a full 162 games. All right, um, give me a season where the voting on the Gold Glove isn't just strictly stats. It isn't just like it was in 2020. I'm pretty sure it was like for the pitcher who won it. Wasn't there a just? It was like strictly one stat that that they went off of, which was different than years past. Um, and then tell Evan White to flip the ball to me more. That'd be <laughs> <laughs> so those are conversations that we're going to have in spring. You give me every every put out attempt that you can. You flip the ball to me. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be running my butt over there. So flip me the ball. That's it. I'm calling it, Gare. I'm calling Marco Gold Glove. Ooh, I like 2021 it. right here. Yeah, I mean that's, that has to happen. It's hardware that I've wanted um, since since I got drafted. To be honest, um, I you know I 
I played a position in college, so I do have a leg up. I, I've taken millions of ground balls over at first base. Um, and so I feel that I, I, I definitely am capable. Um, I need the opportunity of a full season and I need Evan White to flip me the ball. <laughs> so, let's go spread the word. <laughs> That's what we're here for, Marco. One thing I've never had a chance to ask you about, um, mainly because we almost, well, we never really saw each other face-to-face last year. I know you are a huge Kobe fan. And during the quarantine period last year when there was no baseball going on in May, we all know Kobe and his daughter Gianna and, and many others tragically passed in that horrible helicopter crash in Los Angeles. Uh, but I know how much he meant to you as a, just a guy, as a sports fan, but then also as a competitor and how you would watch his videos, his highlight videos before you started a major league baseball game. So I'm curious, yeah. not having a chance to talk to you about this yet, what his passing uh, did to you, man. I mean, probably the same that it's done to everybody. I mean, it's just a gut wrenching feeling, you know, it feels like um, one of your idols, you know, someone that you've looked up to. I've never even met the guy, but I feel like I, I've, I've known every, you know, everything about him. Um, every ounce of who he is as a competitor. I feel like I've tried to, channel into my own sport, into my own career. Um, but yeah, I mean, it started, the videos started with, uh, with Darren McManus, uh, our former mental skills coach with the Mariners. Um, he really believed in visualization. And so pregame, you know, he would have a video that he would send to me and it would be a couple minutes long and it would be of Kobe. Some, some would be basketball highlights. Some would be him just talking about his mindset, about his mentality, about the things that he thinks about. Um, I've read his books. I've read everything about Kobe and, um, you know, from his trainers and, um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where you feel like now every athlete that's looked up to him has a responsibility to carry on, um, that legacy, that mindset in a way, you know, that Mamba mentality. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things that really hits you, you know, right, right in the gut, um, you know, he's a father and you think about his family and you think about his kids and just something that you just really can't wrap your mind around, you know? There's no, there's no doubt. And it was, um, I always enjoyed hearing you talk when we were talking in, in the clubhouse about you preparing for games. And that is an element and that I know watching those videos is just a, a very small speck of the preparation that goes into it. I am curious what your favorite part of preparing for a start is. That's a really good question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. I think my favorite part, I think there's a window that's my favorite part. So I'll give you, it's about a 20 minute window and it's after I'm done in the weight room, after I'm done in the training room, there's a time where I put my headphones back on and I go and I get dressed formally. Like I I've, I've had my pants on, I've had maybe an undershirt, maybe tennis shoes on. Um, but I actually go and I put my Jersey on my cleats and my hat I get formally dressed, put on a hoodie over top. Um, and I'm sitting in my locker and I have a collection of songs that I listen to that are my favorite songs out of a playlist or something. And I just sit there and I think about how grateful I am to, to be able to put on a Jersey, to be able to lace up cleats and to be able to go and compete. It's my favorite things in the entire world. And, uh, then there's, there's a period where I leave the music at my locker, leave my phone at my locker, text my wife, tell her I love her. And I go out in the field and, those moments before I start throwing are just full of 
gratitude and I feel grounded. I feel like it's where I'm supposed to be. I can, I can leave my phone for a minute and it's just pure. It's very pure. There's no politics. There's no noise going on. Um, and it's just, it's very, it's almost blissful really. Um, and then once I start throwing a baseball, then it's, it's, it's fiery and it's intense and there's emotion, but, but the, that window where the prep is done and I can step away and then walk out on the field. Those are, those are my favorite times. I've been thinking about what this year and next year will look like because of the ramifications of last year, especially with starting pitchers and you know, a lot of young pitchers coming up, lost innings along the way, a lot of veterans clearly lost innings from last year. How do you see the ramifications the next couple of seasons in terms of total innings a pitcher can actually throw given just how many innings were lost last year? Yeah. Um, no, that's something that I've thought about, you know, in, in my prep for this year, because we're preparing for 162 games and we only played 60 last year. So to go from 11 starts to hopefully 30, 30 plus, you know, whatever I can get this year, th- there's a big jump in that. And so it starts with the end of last year. I mean, you have to prepare for another marathon and we had a sprint last year. So now slowing it down and maybe building a little more arm strength, maybe long tossing a little bit more. The physical aspect of that is going to change. I mean, we're going to have to ease into the season and, and definitely, you know, dip our toes in and, and before we jump in, because, you know, you're going to have 30 starts. And for our young guys who've never done that, you know, they need to take it slow and they need to realize that they need to take care of their bodies. I think that's the biggest part. I've been through my fair share of injuries and it happens because of lack of preparation or, or, or over exhaustion. And, and I think that we need to avoid both of those. Marco, we could talk to you for the whole show, man. It's great to see you. It's great to hear your insights and uh, you obviously offer a, a great perspective on things and you're always so generous with your time and uh, kind of taking us behind the curtain a little bit. So we appreciate all that. It's great seeing you. We look forward to seeing you down in Peoria, man. And, um, don't cut the hair. Okay. Just let it go. Let <laughs> I won't, go. I won't. The, uh, the wife, she likes it. So it's here to stay. So we'll see how it goes. It's, it's definitely more of a management process, but you know, <laughs> something, something you don't know much about given your hair. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's going to be tough for you going forward, Goldie. Um, I really feel sorry that you're going to have to look at this for the next, however long it's around, because I know that you're intimidated and scared. Just um, keep the hoodie on. Okay. Do me a favor. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey, man, great seeing you. Go Zags. Thanks for hopping on with us. Go Zags and go M's. Thanks, guys. That's right. There he is, number seven, Marco Gonzalez. When we come back on the hot stove, we'll talk with Kyle Glazer of Baseball America. That's straight ahead on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome back. Glad you're with us as the Hot Stove Report rolls along. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. And it's a treat to be joined by man, one of our favorite guys to catch up with each and every season, or in this case, uh, off-season. A national writer for Baseball America and a proud ASU alum calling us from his home outside of San Diego. Kyle Glazer. Kyle, it's good to talk with you, man. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year to you guys. It's uh, certainly been an interesting offseason, hoping things pick up a little bit. But uh, believe it or not, we're just over a month away from spring training. Can't believe how fast it's coming up on us. It, it has been bizarre. And Gary and I talked to a lot of people during the quarantine time and then during the abbreviated season. And now we're ramping things up, getting ready for spring. But how has it been for you 
and Baseball America, as you are you know, somewhat recently coming out with your most updated Mariners top 10 rankings. <laughs> and as we've talked to other people about before, I mean, you're ranking guys who a lot of them haven't actually played a meaningful game in the entire 2020 year from an industry standpoint and what you do for a living. This must have been a real challenge. This was the most difficult year we've had since I've been at BA. Now, I've only been here for the last four years, but talking to my colleagues who have been here much longer, yeah, I mean, the core of what we do is we go out and see guys ourselves. We have Lord knows how many phone calls with scouts, managers, opposing managers, farm directors, you know, over the course of the entire season, just gathering tons and tons and tons of information. We have uh, Matt Eddy does a lot of our statistical analysis. We have full seasons worth of data we run through, and we just have a wealth of information every year that this year we just don't have a lot of these guys, what developments they made were behind closed doors at the alternate site. Some teams allowed other teams to receive video and data. Others didn't. Then instructional league, it was such an informal setting. There's no question. This was the most difficult year to evaluate what the value of the information was we were getting, even if there wasn't information in the first place. You just came out with your prospect handbook, too. This is one of my favorite times of the year. I wait for it. I wait for it to come out. And it's always really exciting when it does. And I think for Mariner fans, even more exciting this year with Julio Rodriguez on the front. To put it in context, you know, it's really a who's who every year when you look at it. You, just the past few years, we've seen Tatis on there and Corey Seager and Chris Bryant and Trout. And uh, you just go down the list. It's a who's who. So this is a very exciting time that Julio Rodriguez is on your cover. Yep, Julio Rodriguez is on the cover of the BA Prospect Handbook. He's also on the cover of our January issue. Uh, It's the first issue of our 40th season, 40th year, I should say, as a publication. So it's a big year for us. And there's no question, he is a tremendously talented young player. And that's a big reason why he's on the cover of the handbook. So take us inside. What are those conversations like? I mean, does everyone get in a room and kind of hash it out? How, How does it take place the, the process of who goes on the cover? Normally, it's actually decided just by our editors, J.J. Cooper and Matt Eddy. They make the call. And this year, just looking at the candidates, uh, we felt like, you know, you never want to have a repeat cover. You want it to be someone new every year. And last year's uh, cover, cover uh, feature subject, if you will, Wander Franco, obviously didn't graduate to the major leagues this year. He's still a prospect. And it's like, well, who do we consider to be among the game's other elite prospects, Adley Rutschman with the Orioles is one, Julio with the Mariners being uh, really the other prime candidate. And ultimately, Matt and JJ decided that the excitement Julio brings, uh, the potential he has, it made him uh, the worthy cover subject uh, for the BA Prospect Handbook this year. Kyle Glazer is our guest on the Hot Stove Report. He's a national writer for Baseball America. And we, we do want to dive in a little bit to the, the top 10 with you, Kyle, and specifically when you look at the top five for the Mariners in terms of prospects per baseball America, you've got Julio followed by Jared Kelnick, which I have to, those two get along very well by all accounts. I have to imagine it burns Jared so much that he's number two. I mean, everything that we know about Jared Kelnick, that's got to burn. So Julio and Kelnick followed by Logan Gilbert, Emerson Hancock just recently drafted in the first round by the Mariners in June. And then Noel V. Marte, very young, promising shortstop. Uh, This is almost an impossible question, Kyle, even with your database in your own mind. But I have to imagine it's hard to find a better top five in almost any organization, and it's subjective, but than what the Mariners have going into 2021. 
There's no question. This is one of the strongest top fives. And really, you can extend it even to the top seven if you want to go all the way down to George Kirby. This is one of the strongest top of the systems in Major League Baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays are in that conversation. The San Diego Padres, even after all their trades, are in the conversation. But there's no question the Mariners have some elite, elite talent at the top of their system matched by few others in Major League Baseball today. It's interesting when you look at the top 10, it's a lot of guys we've been talking about for a while. It's guys that we've seen coming. Juan 10 is a guy who I don't know if a lot of Mariner fans know his backstory. He was a Mariner, then he wasn't, and now he's being reacquired, so he's back again. Tell us about Juan 10 and you know, in a, in a time where a lot of guys aren't graduating, how did he push himself into the top 10? Yeah, he's a young pitcher who just continues to get stronger, and as such, his velocity keeps ticking up. I had first heard his name when he was actually in the DSL with the Mariners. This was back when the Mariners' farm system was pretty shallow before they had started their rebuild, and he was coming up as, hey, this is a guy who might need to be in our top 10 already. Uh, Just really, really promising. There was a lot you had to project, but he showed all the things you want to see from a young pitcher. Uh, They ultimately traded him to the Mariners, but then, excuse me, to the Yankees, uh, but then they reacquired him for Edwin Encarnacion. And he just continues to trend up. Again, all the things you want to see from a young pitcher, again, the fastball, it's it's getting up now into 96, 97 range. Uh, You know, we used to be more low to mid nineties. You're seeing the slider add some power. So, the stuff just keeps coming, keeps getting better. He's got a good feel for a third pitch. Again, there's a long way to go, but when you see a young pitcher who's long had promise and is trending up like this, it's something to take note of. Oh, Kyle, when the Mariners kind of went back to the drawing board and started not all over again, but when they traded Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz and Jared Kelnick comes over with Justin Dunn and company, and now you kind of start this process of, fully engaging new young talent into the organization. Part of the mantra, part of the pitch from general manager Jerry DePoto was that they really felt at the time, and they still do believe that as the Mariners were starting to theoretically crest and build this great momentum to graduating so many of these prospects to the major leagues in a period of, call it one to two or two and a half seasons, that the rest of the division, not that the rest of the division would be poor or weak, but that the Astros powerhouse will, would have died down and so forth and so on. So we, we are fully immersed in the Mariners system. But when you look at the West and you look at the two teams in Texas and the two other teams in California, who knows what they're going to do in the years to come in terms of free agents. But when you look at their systems compared to the Mariners, what are you seeing in terms of the best that you can start to kind of project out two to three to five years and and how everybody's kind of matching up. Yeah. The Mariners have the best farm system in the American league West, and it's a pretty wide margin. Um, No other team in the AL West can match the mix of top end depth and excuse me, top end talent and depth that the Mariners system has. Now, will that translate to the Mariners reeling off a run of multiple division titles in a row? That's going to depend on what the Astros do, for example, with some of their key free agents, George Springer and Michael Brantley leaving this year. You have Zach Greinke and Carlos Correa potentially leaving after next year. You know, depending on what they do with them, that's certainly going to decide, you know, how likely it is the Mariners supplant them as one of the powers. Same thing with the A's losing Marcus Simeon and Liam Hendricks potentially in free agency this year. They're still on the market. So from a pure farm system perspective, the Mariners are absolutely – the top of the class in the AL West, 
whether that translates into the franchise ending their first playoff drought, ending the playoff drought that they've had since 2001, it's going to depend a little bit on what some of these other teams do with their free agents. But if they don't resign them, there's no question. The Mariners' future already looks bright. And if the A's and Astros don't resign their key guys, the Angels can't figure out their pitching, there's no question the Mariners have a really, really good opportunity to start becoming potentially a true power in the American League West and the American League as a whole. Is there a team that you look at in comparison to what we've seen in the Mariners as they're building? Is there another team that you look at that have already done it that is comparable to what the Mariners are doing? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the Padres and what they did. They went into a full-blown rebuild. Uh, they really traded off the final pieces of their veterans, that the veteran core they built up the previous offseason in the summer of 2016. They went through some lean years and just amassed this incredible array of talent, both in terms of top-end elite-level talent and depth. And we saw them graduate a couple of those guys to the majors and trade the depth for impact big league pieces this past season. And combined with the offseason moves they've made, trading even more of that prospect depth, they now look like a contender in the National League. So uh, that would be the closest, I think, comparison to maybe what the Mariners are trying to do now. The Mariners have not yet built up the same level of depth the Padres did. And in terms of having that depth for trade pieces, that's that's a key component of what the Padres did. So in that sense, the Mariners still need more. It's not a direct comparison. But in terms of the path they've taken, you can see that general trend, that general direction. To your point, too, you look at that trade, the Padres and the Mariners. I mean, there's two guys from that trade in the Mariners' top 10 right now. It's pretty remarkable how much depth the Padres system has had. Yeah, and that was a large, large, large product of them uh, spending more than $80 million internationally during the 2016-2017 international signing period. Teams are no longer permitted to spend that much. They're now capped, so it makes it a little tricky to kind of emulate it entirely. But look, the Padres had some very lean years. There was a year they kept uh, three Rule 5 guys on the roster. They picked in the top 10 in the draft five five seasons in a row. There's definitely some, some pain that came with it, but ultimately it looks like the payoff is coming. And now if you're the Mariners, you say, okay, you know, we've seen some good things in terms of amassing high draft picks. They, they've drafted very well for all intents and purposes. They have invested internationally. You see with Julio Rodriguez, you see with Noel V. Marte. So there's definitely some, some similar patterns, and um, it's just a matter of continuing to build that system and continuing to graduate these guys to the major leagues and hopefully in two, three years or so being in a similar place to the Padres. That's the hope at least. Kyle, I'm, I'm impressed we were able to peel you off the beach for 15 minutes or so to come <laughs> come join us to talk a little hot stove. It's, it's great to spend some time with you. Your insights are unparalleled. Your work, not only in the minors, but in the majors as well. It's uh, you're, you're the real deal in the total package, man. So it's, it's always a treat to be able to talk with you. Thank you for sharing your insights with us tonight. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the kind words, and thank you guys for having me. It's always fun joining you guys, and happy to do so anytime. He is Kyle Glazer of Baseball America, kind enough to join us on the Hot Stove Report. Well, we hope to see you back at T-Mobile Park next season. When you're ready, you can attend the games you want, select the seats you want, and secure the savings you want for all when you want with the Mariners 2021 Flex Membership now available with no deposit required. For more information, text 21 to 71532. When we come back, it's hour number two of the Hot Stove Report. Anthony Masevich, Mariners reliever, joins us straight ahead on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. 
Hot Stove Report rolls along. Aaron Goldsmith alongside Gary Hill as we are winding down hour number one on the hot stove. We've got a packed hour number two straight ahead. We'll be talking with Emmanuel Sofuentes. I just recently promoted uh, to work alongside Andy McKay, the Mariners farm director. Emmanuel will be uh, doing great things in the Mariners minor league farm system. We'll also be talking with Anthony Masevich in the second hour, Mariners reliever who did Really fine things last year in his first big league campaign. Gary, great first hour. Man, Marco Gonzalez for two segments was a treat. And, you know, there's a there's a certain level of, I guess, transparency and just uh, honesty that comes along with talking with Marco. You uh, get a real clear sense each and every time we chat with uh, number seven that he is uh, – Always hungry for more. I don't. I, I think he could win every award imaginable, both team and individual, and would still want more. And that's hey, that's exactly what you want in your number one starter, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You want that. You want that out of your leader as well, man. I love talking to Marco. I feel like we get insights from him that we don't necessarily get from anywhere. I mean, he's and part of it is he. Uh, he uh, he's so thoughtful in his answers. He gives us so much time too, which is great. I mean, I felt like we could talk to him for like six hours, and it would it would be great. But uh, his stuff on the preparation, I, I don't know if I've ever heard a pitcher talk about that. You know, that time right before the start, uh, when he what's going through his mind, what he's thinking about. That is so insightful. It's stuff I've never really thought about. That is. So cool. So cool to think about. Like, put yourself in those shoes, right? You're in the locker room. Uh, you're getting ready for the start. You're listening to your music. Yeah, what are you doing before that adrenaline kick? It's, it's something really cool to think about that I've never heard a pitcher really describe in depth. That was really unique. But it is amazing, too, when you think about scouting starting pitchers, whether you are signing a free agent or you're scouting them out of the draft or you're scouting them in another minor league system, the amount of downtime for a starting pitcher, you are performing one out of every five days. You have four days out of every five where you are all you're doing is preparing you're, and you're honing your craft and you are getting ready for your next performance and the type of discipline that that takes to not let part of those days or an entire day slip by without you maximizing your time and your energy. And when the Mariners went out and they traded, when Jerry traded for Marco Gonzalez, we had no idea the depth of character and guy, let alone talent, that the Mariners were getting. And to be fair, I don't know if the Mariners knew that it would be to this level, right? And we haven't even seen... Uh, how good it can be for Marco, but he's, he's a total package, man. He, he doesn't blow 95, but he doesn't have to, as we've seen, he proves that there are many ways to get it done. And the Mariners are, are so thankful to have him not only as an opening day starter, but as a leader. And, you know, Gary, uh, when we talked to Kyle Glazer of baseball America, their national writer, I mean, you get a really clear sense. This isn't just company lying from the Mariners. This isn't just press releases from the Mariners talking about how good the system is, how good the talent is, that we've already started to see the first wave and that more waves are coming. I mean, the, the industry is saying that this is elite-level stuff the Mariners have on the farm. The statements are striking when he's saying they're as good as it is, you know, at the top echelon when you're talking about 
impact talent at the top of an organization. That's a striking statement from someone like Kyle, who's in position to know. I mean, Baseball America, it's what they do. When you hear the Mariners compared to the Padres, I mean, that's a great place to be because their system has been loaded the last few years, and they're seeing the dividends right now with not only the talent they've brought up that is playing, you know, Tatis and go down the list, but also the talent they've used to acquire other major leaguers along the way. I mean, there's a reason they have been so active when it comes to trades. There's no doubt about it. Mariners in a very good position in that regard, to say the least. Hour number one of the Hot Stove Report is in the book. So happy that you're with us tonight. When we come back, hour number two, Anthony Masevich, fresh off a very strong rookie campaign in the show, working out of Scott Service's bullpen. He joins us next on the Hot Stove Report on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network.